Join us. We're hitting the bridge, exploring German language and culture. Let's take a deep dive into German mentality, uncovering hidden treasures, and demystifying German pop culture. I'm Alexandra, an American rooted in Germany for the long run. And I'm Larissa, a German discovering my authentic roots. What we're gonna do right here is go Hey fellow explorers, thank you for joining us. We are hitting the bridge once again and a special shout out to everyone who started with us at Ground Zero pilot episode. We have received unexpectedly so much amazing feedback from all of you out there and we would like to say thank, thank you. you. <laughs> One thing that we would like to start out with today is eine Schorle trinken. Yeah. Was ist das? Eine Schorle. You know, the English have their tea time. The Dutch, they have coffee, mm-hmm. right? In what Germany. do the Germans have? They have their Schorle time. And that's what we're doing today. We're starting off with the good old Schorle. I would say, though, any time is Schorle time. (laughs) It is. And so, what is Schorle, actually? It is a mix, just a mixed drink that you have, typically with a type of juice or a mixture of juices, and then you top it off with... Sprudel. Sprudel. Yeah. Sparkling water. Sparkling water. Mineral water. (laughs) And then you drink it, and the point is, it... Is very refreshing. We use quite specific juices for it. What are we drinking today? Today it's apple, cherry, and what's the last one? Currant. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly, they used only black currant for this juice. Mm-hmm. So join us if you feel like it. The right ratio is what? One third is juice and two-thirds are sparkling water, I'd say. That would be the traditional refreshing way to drink it. Mm-hmm. So, cheers. Prost. <laughs> and as much as I enjoy what we are currently drinking, I also thought it would be worth sampling another classic maybe you can only get in Germany. I'm not sure about it. <laughs> it is disturbing. It is intriguing. But for other Germans, it is very typical like they don't question it at all because mm-hmm. it's all they know right not as mysterious um banana juice can you believe it <laughs> they took bananas and pressed them into a juice <laughs> now how did this oddity come about we have a few theories um if there is anyone out there who has an answer about the truth of banana juice uh enlighten us we would be fascinated to find out more about it But Mm -hmm. it came back in the time in uh, what used to be Eastern Germany, and bananas were exotic. They were hard to come by. And then once Germany became reunited, then there were bananas and oranges and pineapple and just so many other fruits. The exotic ones. Exactly, that actually truly are exotic for Germany, or ones that should be quite ubiquitous, you would say. Mm-hmm. And that is why I that's why I believe they came up with banana juice. I would juice. say it come, goes back to the 80s where cocktail culture was 
big and banana juice or mango juice is classically associated with going on vacation. And See, having... it tastes tropical and exotic. A um, couple of weeks ago, we went out and I ordered a kiba. That is another interesting drink. Would you like to enlighten everyone about kiba right now? Yeah, kiba is basically a mixture of juices, um, banana and cherry juice. It's quite tasty. Everybody drank it when we were younger and we couldn't drink alcohol yet, so we ordered Kibai. It was the closest we could get to a cocktail as kids. Now you know why we have banana juice. <laughs> it reminds everyone of their childhood or vacation. To be honest, it was challenging to find a starting point today because we have so much to say. So what we found is each culture can identify some, let's say, attributes or factors that are considered typical, rather typical throughout various generations, basically. And stereotypes stem from, let's say, tendencies or attributes. And these stereotypes are often very deep-seated and widespread in a culture. And we wanted to address one of those stereotypes. So we have a segment for you guys that we want to continue. Really? Totally true. So really totally true is a segment where we're gonna look at different stereotypes and check if they're actually true and if so how significant they actually are. You might have heard of the stereotype that Germans are particularly efficient. What we would like to narrow down on right now, talking about efficiency in the German image, mm -hmm. in the German mentality, what that means for an individual and society. And bear with us, it is actually not as boring as it sounds. We should define what, what we mean by German efficiency at that point. Okay, so for the stereotype, the other image I have in my mind, for me it makes me picture the typical German as an engineer. Mm. And that is how they run their life, that is how they run their daily schedule, that is how they incorporate their interests into their lives, and how they go about planning and reaching their goals and their ambitions in life. Is not only is it a very punctual, reliable person, very straightforward thinking, uh, everything is very scheduled and precise, they are so laser focused on these short term goals or results, they see no possibility for error. I think it, it starts with their mindset and their behavior that turn into these habits. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like programming and I feel like the their mindset is very programmed yes. and therefore they, they see no room for error and it really does free them to complete a task. The stereotype probably goes back to an economical background. I would think that it also comes from the home life mm -hmm. and how the German household was run 
traditionally, if we think about like the 1920s through the 1960s, mm-hmm. it's deep seated in our mentality and day to day life. It shows not only economically, but also in our values and how we approach life. So we want to find out if that stereotype holds true and if it holds true for us as well. And I can say I've clashed with people. I acted out my German ways and um, they really pointed out that uh, that was super German of me and I had no idea. Okay, because at first I thought you meant to say that you clashed with other Germans, but didn't, then you mean it for an intercultural oh, yes. perspective. <laughs> Then have you realized maybe, just maybe, how German you actually are? Yes. It was only in the past couple of years that I realized that people consider certain things very German that were just normal to me. I thought the whole world functioned like that. It was surprising to me that it was odd to others how I dealt with things and planned my day. And <laughs> You know, I have lists for everything and I've been told several times that that's a very German thing to do. Like, what example would you like to lead into? Because I'm wondering now if I'm very curious, like, will I recognize the same things as you or like from an outsider perspective, can I say, yeah, that actually is Mm -hmm. very German. One example I could give is that our values are strictly connected to respecting somebody's time. We have a very strict sense for time management and routines that we have in our everyday life. And if we make room for somebody, if we make time, if we make an appointment, it is very crucial to a German in general, we're speaking in general here, to stick to that. So the plan can be successful. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, But what I find very interesting about like how I know you and when we get together, you seem very spontaneous and you don't like to have a very clear idea about what exactly we're going to do when we get together. And so for me, you seem very carefree and flexible, kind of like you could be up for just about anything. And it doesn't seem like then these very... German tendencies come out. I'm super selective with how I spend my time, how I invest energy and what relationships I entertain. Mm-hmm. Or who do you spend time with? Yes. Which is why, might I add, I am so happy that you take the time to talk with me and that we actually are continuing with the podcast. I really appreciate it. I love to spend time with you. It's so enriching for me. That is so sweet of you to say. I feel the same way that I love spending time with you and it really is not only enriching to my life, but it is very valuable to me to have you as a friend. So time is precious. Yes. How do Germans deal with criticism? It's a very straightforward approach, I would say, because again, that's considered to be a respectful thing. To be straightforward and honest, it saves everybody's time. Honesty saves everyone's time. (laughs) Yes. So even if you think of work life and you write certain emails and you, you will get straight to the core of what you want. You won't ramble around, oh, what's going on? How are you feeling? How was your weekend? You might do that if you are friends with your co-worker. Of course, that happens. But in general, 
You get straight to the point. I need that by 5 p.m. And that's it. That's all the information you need. And I'm going to save your time. I'm going to save my time. I'm going to be clear on anything I want from you. And that's efficiency. So maybe one way to understand like how you tick and maybe other people can relate to it as well. Would it be a big deal to you if I just called you up out of the blue? In general, the rule is you make an appointment even for meeting people in private. You don't surprise them and just ring that bell and say, hey, here I am. Surprise, surprise. Uh, let's have a good time. Because usually the person will have a day-to-day -day routine and they won't be least if you interrupt them. And I think a lot of people could understand that. But, but like, what about even, you know, just, you know, ringing someone up? That is totally fine. But I think... Really? So, like, you don't need, like, a timed plan to have a phone call with somebody without it interfering with your whole schedule that you have? It would be okay, but yeah, it depends. Because if you are planning to speak about something very specific and you know it's going to take more than two minutes you're probably going to plan out the call. Yeah, so I think what you are maybe getting at, and I'm sure a lot of other people can relate to it as well, the whole idea, especially today with you know technology, we have it at our fingertips, we always are carrying our phones with us. There's a lot of freedom and accessibility there. Yeah, first of all, you don't want to be approachable 24-7. That's a horrific feeling to... I'd say a lot, a lot of people nowadays. But I think Germans are even more very strict on having that set boundary. Yes. Yeah. And they don't uh, waver from that very much. But I think... Like for you, for example, you'd feel a lot better and it'd be a lot more freeing to you if, for example, you were going to call up a friend at 7 p.m. And because if it'd be like, hey, open-ended, I'll call you this evening, then you more get into like the whole cycle of it's stressful. it could be any minute and it's yeah. very stressful and you're very interrupted and you can't really focus on anything you're doing. Yeah, and we usually have things to do so we make time for such things and uh, we want to be respectful with each other's time always it's a very german thing to me yeah and so what has your experience been for explaining this to other people maybe from <laughs> other cultures well to some people it just seems very inflexible but i would say if there's a specific frame that you set for yourself within that frame you're completely free to run and do whatever you want um there's an another side to the respect part i would say as a host you want to be in a specific mindset when somebody shows up you want to be able to show up for them as well and if you're not prepared and not in the mindset and you have lots of things to do and you're interrupted with that you can't be comfortable sort of and that is disrespectful to the time the other person offers you and that's probably why i have you know such a positive impression of you and you know i see all of your good qualities it's because well yeah you were ready for me you were expecting me yeah to, to meet up with you we make full use of the time always but very focused with our time when we spent that together and i think that ties back into how germans are in their private life at home behind closed doors when you know no one is expecting anything of them and they don't have any interruptions to deal with and it's a very efficient 
time management, I'd say to meet up with somebody and make the most use of the time you have together. That's part of efficiency, I'd say. Germans have a strong filter. They are very selective of the people they engage with, how they spend their time, how they invest their time, how they plan for their future. Nothing is too coincidental after all. There's only one way to be successful in a German's mind. That's what I notice. What, what is this one way to reach well, success? It's hard work and efficient actions and precise planning. For example, they do research before they start anything at all. I think that goes into anything Germans typically do. <laughs> and I think it starts with a schedule. You're always ahead of schedule. You always are prepared. There is nothing that could stop you. Mm -hmm. And I think it is a mentality that not only where there's no room for error, and it's not really about perfection, I don't think. I think it's more about there aren't any excuses. You are so prepared. You have everything all planned out. You use your full potential in any yes. situation. So like long-term oriented thinking is the focal point in German society, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. Choosing your friendships, your education, the location you live in, the lifestyle you live, it's all long-term oriented because that's the only way to be efficient. Germans are very future-oriented. But what I think that people don't notice is how visionary they truly are and how they place themselves on, in the global market. If we look at economics, what areas are Germans invested in? Technology. Technology, but... Mechanics. Also, those are very traditional companies, usually. But at the same time, they do a lot of research and do a lot of engineering, export certain electronics that are used in Asia, for example, for future markets. Germans are not very good at risk-taking. They love to do some deep research before starting a new project. Otherwise, how would they have the motivation to carry a project through? Because I think a lot of the motivation also comes with the guarantee of delivering a result. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be measurable, it needs to be concrete, it needs to be backed up by studies and research. Yeah. It's careful planning. Tja, ohne Fleiß kein Preis, Alex. Ah, that reminds me. Lost in translation. We have another segment, and it is about introducing very useful, fun idioms in the German language. Ohne Fleiß kein Preis. No pain, no gain. Very typical thing. German would say, and we say that all of the time. And it's about not really the kind of work that means that it's really hard and difficult and it's only about pain, but it's really about, you know, dedication. You, yeah, also. dedication, putting a little bit of elbow grease into it, right? And because the point is to deliver results. 
And again, it's about investing in projects that seem long-term efficient. What that means is you really stick to plans. You create a routine, timetables. You don't have to think too much if you have your routine and your plan and you stick to it. You know it's gonna work. You don't have to worry constantly. Just know it will work out because you have thought it through. And that is peace you can experience. Experiencing peace with inefficiency. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, good way to put it, yeah. It's just a way of creating freedom to me, ironically. But you know what? I think that makes a lot of sense. And one thing I would like to add on that is if we talk about mindfulness and how that's becoming a focal point mm -hmm. of the wor worldly conversations yes. today, if you look beyond the generalizations of German home life and the structure of society, then you will find that mindfulness played a big role in that mm -hmm. and that's why if we have you know a schedule with a timetable and you can literally you know in a way make yourself more free and you would think it's all about routine and hard work but that's actually not what it's like what i find very important when it comes to german efficiency is the work-life balance that they value highly they take great care of having these timeouts from being that strict thinking routine person the structured environment that you will find in a regular german work life offers a great range of freedom because if you do your job and on a nine to five basis mm -hmm. You will have lots of freedom around that and Germans appreciate that a lot. So they can do whatever the F they want after they leave work or before they go to work. And that's the freedom that most people look for. So they don't sacrifice themselves for their job. They have a focus on every day, on life and on fun things they do in their spare time. So kind of like if they can structure their life through a work-life balance yes that is the motivation in order to fulfill their own needs and what mm -hmm. they would like to do in their free time mm -hmm. and i think going off of mindfulness we hear a lot about that now today about you know taking a break taking a time out really having a good healthy work-life balance. Mm -hmm. So even these timeouts are very planned in a sense. Yeah, because it becomes about optimizing productivity. Optimizing is a good word actually in that context, yes. For example, if we take a Sunday in Germany, mostly everything is closed. And why is that? It's not due to religious reasons only, it's because Germans value their spare time and time with family and going for walks on Sundays. And then the attention is not focused on consumerism. It's focused on what do Germans like? They like being in nature, right? They mm -hmm. like going on walks or taking hikes. Oh, speaking about hikes, that would lead to another point that I find interesting. Functional clothing or practical clothing. I would say that is a very, very German thing. To be prepared for any occasion, whether it be rain or a storm or... Yeah, because it ties back into security through comfort. 
So efficiency thinking can be found in every area of life. The efficiency thinking even goes to lengths of planning vacation, I'd say. It's kind of funny. Maybe it isn't true. Okay, don't get mad at me, everyone. But because of all the stability and having a very strong foundation is so important for many Germans in their private life and their home life. And they have everything right there. And they build the house to be completely efficient and meet all their needs. Why would they ever leave? So the, the motivation to go on vacation and to travel would only come in the planning. If, if they haven't gone through a lot of the planning and really thought it through, I don't think that they would go on vacation. Because then they would think, well, what, what is the point? Why would I leave? It's not worth it. There's too much yeah. unknown, too many unknowns there, too much insecurity. Mm -hmm. The home life offers so much comfort. So the vacation needs to be planned out precisely to make the most of it. Packing would be very important too, because mm -hmm. you never know what you might need. And planning trips day by day, choosing certain activities to get a great experience and feel enriched after you return home. Going into nature oh, and yeah. going hiking. Which is the number one activity, I'd say, in Germany. <laughs> if you're not going to go hiking, then you're going to go to the sea. Mm -hmm. Which really shows the juxtaposition sort of from having a hard-working lifestyle and a great use of your free time, your spare time. Yeah, and therefore I think it's meant to be very pleasant and enriching life experiences, optimizing the quality of life. And you know what, maybe it really isn't as extreme as we're making it sound because there are just so many families and obviously if you have children, you need to plan and you need to pack and really think things through before you just up and leave for a week or two weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned something that I found interesting as well, which would be the house life. What I noticed is Germans usually plan to settle at a specific location, at a specific age. They usually stay there for a very long time. Moving is not that common still. You would even rent out an apartment and the kitchen won't come with it. You will have to buy your very own kitchen that's designed for that specific apartment and you will take that with you if you move out. Hence, most Germans avoid moving too often. Why do you think there are so many apartments for rent that don't have a built-in kitchen? Maybe it goes back to a German's need for comfort as well. They want to have their very own kitchen that applies to all of their needs. It's like renter's mentality that I think, okay, it's either short term or as a renter, you would expect an apartment to already have a kitchen. And then of course, like any of the appliances that come in the kitchen, if they're really old or if they end up breaking, then it's the landlord's job to replace it. But then for me, it still is really interesting how many apartments actually don't even have a kitchen at all. One thing that I can touch on what you were telling me before about why Germans settle down at a very young age and then they have a goal to buy their own house and become homeowners also at a relatively young age. And think of it as long-term investment as well. You invest a lot of money in housing and if you are renting 
it's money out the window. Yes. Because you're never getting it back, you know? But with a house, you invested in it. I think they try to justify how they structure their lives with what is practical, what makes sense. But on the same time, like if we look at relationships, I mean, is that like good? Is that romantic to say, well, I want to marry you because we're going to get a tax break. That's oftentimes what happens in Germany, from what I noticed. Because it's very practical, it makes sense. <laughs> Let's get married, it makes sense for taxes. Because, like, where's, like, where's the love? Where's the romance? Where's this, like, very intimate, passionate connection? There's a lot of you know, sharing and doing things together as a group mm-hmm. from the kindergarten age. Community as well, yeah. And it's about showing the children that everything you do is for a reason. And I think that is how they initially create motivation. So it is oftentimes considered a group effort to finish a project. Everyone working together as a team. And being reliable. Yes, because if we think, so team is one way to think about it. Another one is we are working a machine, right? And everyone is one part of the machine. You are, you know, everyone is their own cog and it's not going to work. And the machine can't function and operate properly if a cog is missing or broken or if things aren't optimized. And I think it goes back to childhood and, you know, what you were mentioning about, you know, every it's a group effort, everyone is working together as a team. So I had just mentioned kindergarten, but what happens after the grade school in Germany is that we have a three-tiered system for education. So we have the Hauptschule, Realschule, and Gymnasium. Mm-hmm. They prepare kids for different... Different vocations, and we have a different paced education system for each different school that children go to after the grade school. Mm-hmm. At an early age, the teacher decides what potential each kid shows, and based on that, they make a decision on which school they're gonna visit. And so, as a quick overview, the Hauptschule, if you attend there, then you get a very basic education. It might be at a slower pace. There might be a greater mixture of different um, needs that the students have academically, or they have different uh, needs for meeting their learning skills. Mm -hmm. And they tend to be more vocation oriented so it might they might go and do a type of apprenticeship after they complete their schooling Mm -hmm. and it might be more um handwork related they usually leave school by the age of 15 and then realschule everyone tends to be at the same level and there is more room for being challenged and they um, have students go on a different track to develop their interests and get a good picture of what they would be interested in pursuing for their career. Mm-hmm. These schools also focus on, on everyday life. I remember... Really? Yeah. I did not know that. I remember friends had cooking classes, for example. We never had that yeah. at the... I thought, I thought Hauptschule had them too. Yes, some do, yeah. And then there's Gymnasium, which prepares students for an academic route. They are studied with 
um, a greater intensity. They go more in-depth in the material in a strictly academic setting, and it's more fast-paced. These are the students that are um, university-oriented. Even though after um, Realschule, they still have the possibility of taking one or two more years longer and then going on to university from there. Mm-hmm. So from a young age, kids are very goal-oriented, which serves the purpose of creating security after all. Security for yourself, for the community, for your family. It also just reminded me of Is that true then, that maybe motivation is also security-oriented? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. So everyone is motivated by security, and the way to achieve their goals is always through efficiency. Keep in mind that we're speaking on a general basis here, so of course not everything applies to every single person, but on a general level, I find that apparent in German culture, yes. And even from a young age, I remember lots of students had clear visions on what they would be doing in 20 years from now. They even chose their jobs based on the pension system that we have in Germany so that they would be secured with their pension by the age of 65, yeah? One example I could give is that a lot of people who went to the Realschule, the middle school, decided to do a vocational training instead of making their Abitur and going to university. So they chose a practical education over the academic path. The advantage of that was that They were able to clearly plan their future and be financially stable at an earlier age. Well, I think it is still a very good idea. It's advisable for students to complete a vocational training or program, then complete their Abitur, and then they have the option of going to university. These years that they've had, both academically and professionally, will give them a much clearer idea of what is best suited for them or what they might be interested in in the future. Mm -hmm. That's an important point. You can always upgrade your education. And then if you're no longer working in the workplace, like wherever you started your vocational training, you still have those connections available to you. Mm -hmm. We could also mention that um, a practical education is still very appreciated in Germany. But I think maybe in hindsight, that goes to show you from a very young age what that child might be experiencing and how that influences their course of actions in their life. For example, if security or feeling safe is very, very important to that child, Or kind of like they feel threatened by the outside world. Like, you better do all your homework or else. You better get the... And then for competition, too, you better get the best grades or else. And therefore, uh, they already thought of a solution, which would be, what kind of a job can I get that will, you know, grant me the greatest amount of security or provide me with a comfortable life? Or what job will it be so I can, you know, earn lots of money? Because maybe, you know, and it goes back to... What else do they want? How, how do they develop their desires or wishes or dreams? Like what job will get me enough money so I can buy my own house? Because I really want a big house. 
And then on the other hand, what kinds of children are going to be very adventurous? Do you think they have just as structured of an image as the kids that are looking for security? I can only speak from my own experience and of course from the perspective of my own generation. You can feel pressured at times because uh, German society has a strong focus on making decisions from an early age and being focused and being self-reliant and efficient in anything you plan out for the future. This is bringing me to a very interesting idea. That could have a negative impact on a child, right? Mm -hmm. And that could maybe even backfire. What happens to children in this structure that are looking for an escape? Well, of course, there are young people who are driven and they allow themselves to branch out differently. It is also appreciated nowadays to be brave in your decision-making and differ from traditional paths. So compared to how it is for students when you were in school and still how it is today, how is that different from the path that you chose? First of all, there's a significant shift in generations by now. I can't speak for younger generations. I'm not in touch with a lot of super young people right now, but For me, I was part of a generation where you could see that a lot of people started feeling different or that they didn't fit in to the traditional way of doing things. Is that how you felt then? That you didn't really fit in? I felt that from an early age, yeah. But I, I never felt pressured by it. I saw people doing their thing and everything was planned out. They were planning their families and building houses. And of course, you notice that and you sometimes question yourself, is something wrong with me? At the same time, I never felt pressured. I never felt that something was missing or wrong. But you still made the decision to move away from home. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you mean by you felt different. You felt a little bit like an outsider, like you didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. Well, I have as a creative mindset, I would say, mm-hmm. and cities like Berlin offer an amazing ground for creative people or people who th- love to think outside of the box a bit and who do not strive to work in a traditional company. Um, How do you think your time living in Berlin influenced how you define efficiency? One thing about Berlin is that you have so many creative people living there who do things in an unconventional way. Of course, you have lots of startups dedicated to what they do and structured and they strive for success. Yeah, these things exist. But at the same time, efficiency is not as important in Berlin, I would say. It's about developing creative outlets and developing yourself and trying things out, experiencing things, as I mentioned before. What it taught me is that I realized I need structures in my life to be more efficient because you can get easily lost or distracted. But if you focus yourself and ask yourself, well, what is it that I want to achieve long term and you stop living for the moment you start planning your future more and become aware of what you 
actually want and need and appreciate and value as well, you somehow return to an efficiency mindset at some point, I would say. And I found that back home. That's part of why I returned home. I, I needed a surrounding where people are very focused and driven. And I think Berlin brought me back to thinking efficiently. So for you, you think your journey was about learning this for yourself. It didn't help you all the knowledge and insight everyone taught you from a young age. But had you just, you know, done that straight and narrow path the first time, like all of your friends or classmates, mm -hmm. that wouldn't have been satisfying for you. You had to really go on your own journey and find that out on your own. Yeah, if you put it that way, yeah, it really seems like that. And what I want to maintain throughout my life is an open mindset and an open-ended path to anything I attempt to do, especially professionally. I want to try out different things and experience them for myself. But at the same time, I want there to be a consistent guideline. So for you then, it really is a value of defining freedom within the structure of efficiency. That's the best way to put it, yes. And using that as the guideline. You set some... Parameters. Yes. And within that field, you're completely free. So it's like you had that freedom to think outside the box. Mm -hmm. But now you've created your own box mm -hmm. that is perfect for you. Yeah. And as long as you're self-sufficient in that, you're basically free to do whatever you want to really get to the point and get things done and achieve your goals. Even if you look at very creative people who want to pursue a creative career professionally, what I notice is that these people go to really good schools, especially if they want to become musicians, for example, and they learn the very basics of management and marketing and business. So it is usually very structured and long-term planned, almost like nothing is coincidental anymore. Yes, it's very results-oriented. It comes with measurable criteria. Mm -hmm. How do we establish autonomy within German society? I think Germans might define the term autonomy very differently. They don't see it as an individual gaining autonomy. They see themselves as part of the community. And if we speak about autonomy, it's usually in a community setting. The positive approach to that is you never are truly alone. Yes. You know, you always have support. Mm -hmm. So I think they champion what an individual accomplishes, but, and then so it's pretty much showing how everyone is an asset to a group or a community. And that everyone is contributing to that group effort of what is accomplished mm -hmm. in a community. Yeah, I would totally agree. Where does that come from? What's the background to that need and that behavior? Do you have an idea where that could stem from? Well, if we look at the way German wa Germany was at the turn of the 20th century, and Germany was viewed as an empire. And as with the neighboring countries, 
there was competition for colonialism as well as uh, the industrial revolution that created a big demand for machinery and and working in factories. Uh, there was a big demand for labor. And it was all with the goal of building up an empire and making everything bigger, faster. And then as a nation, we are going to be stronger. And if we fast forward after World War One, World War Two, it escalated into disaster and mm-hmm. massive destruction. The economy broke down, basically. Huh? Yeah, so that there was uh, incredible devastation on a global scale. And what it meant for Germany then was building everything up from the ground. They pretty much had to not only survive the devastation that the war zone left behind and then redefine comfort and get access to basic resources again. And then what I think is very interesting is that they have a very clear image today of how exactly you can rebuild and reconstruct a society. I think what Germans learned from that is resilience and that was handed on to every generation after war. Exactly, because while everyone experienced devastation and trauma that was also handed on from one generation to the next, resilience played a big role in that too. And it kind of went through the mentality like we can survive anything, we will make it through it. This looks like a difficult time right now, but we will persevere and we will get through it. And that's why the community is so important for Germans today, Mm because it does provide stability. Mm-hmm. What I also want to mention is that I see a shift in younger generations. What's notable for me is that they are ecologically minded and ecologically efficient. The idea is that to live an ecologically efficient life is long-term reasonable. Therefore, there's a highlight on that area. And also if we t- talk about the value of community and the identity of belonging within the community, then I believe that is why younger generations are more passionate about continuing to evolve as environmentally conscious mm-hmm. citizens. We're not, we're not Germans, we're not Americans, we're not, you know, Brits or Australians or Austrians. We are citizens of the world. And we're all in it together. Absolutely. What I could add is that I see my upbringing reflected in my values. There's a waste mentality that I find repulsive in a way. So to waste your your time, my time, to waste energy, to waste resources, it is so non-efficient and based on short-term thinking, that I even see the efficiency thinking in that area going against waste culture in any possible way. Going back to childhood, I think the performance orientation even shows in hobbies that young children choose. They're usually in a competitive environment at least from my own experience of course that doesn't apply to everybody but um 
It is so important to get measurable results even when doing a hobby. But I wonder if that really is German. Because if we think about what a lot of children do, you mm -hmm. know, they either play sports or they're in dance, performing arts such as music or theater, and anything that they might do otherwise, such as creating art, then Yeah, that has to do with, okay, we paid for these lessons or we paid for you to be in this club, you know, as the parents and then the parents, they want to see something at the end of it, which where it'd be like watching a game or going to a music recital or watching a play. Mm -hmm. You can pursue a hobby strictly based on your interests or because it's fun. But what I noticed is that Germany is highly influenced by Eastern countries such as Russia and even in the GDR that performance orientation was very emphasized. You know what? When you first brought this up right now, I'm thinking, well, it's not that extreme, is it? Because not every child is training for the Olympics if just because they are athletic or enjoy running around. Sometimes it felt like that, at least in my childhood, that we were training for the Olympics in the end, yeah. That, that sounds incredibly intense because I also was in sports and played instruments, but I never felt that kind of a pressure. Maybe that was specific to certain areas or families, but I noticed that all around in my environment. That there was a lot of pressure. Yes. And children were doing so many sports at the same time. Every day was structured by hobbies, basically. And do you think for you and maybe, you know, other friends that you had at that time, Was there a lot of pressure put on you for perfection? Yes, I would say so, yeah. Did that help you become more efficient? <laughs> Don't do that to me! <laughs> I'm wondering. I'm really wondering. <laughs> hmm. So what does um, perfection and, and efficiency and motivation all have in common, do you think? I think it serves the community. If you're... A functioning person in community, in society, okay. so to speak. You're of great value and everybody takes care that you're part of the system and that you feel... You feel needed. You feel needed, important. important. And I think yes. if it's anything performative, then uh, people can see you and your talents and what you have to offer. And therefore, it makes you recognize that you are an asset to the team or the group. I see similarities with lots of Asian cultures in that as well, to be honest. Because how you're describing it, I agree, it does sound like there, there are quite a few similarities. Although I would say they have a different approach. We do have a great focus on private life as well. And that balance. Yes, the work-life balance. We appreciate our free time and we make the great, greatest possible use out of it. So coming from American culture, how do you experience differences? I'm not sure how to answer that because German culture, that can be very structured. And in American culture, you can find that same kind of structure. But it's about like the whole 
background and frame of reference that people use to form their thoughts and how they talk about themselves and their goals and what their plans are. And I feel the language is very different. Like for me, how I understand a lot of um, Americans when they talk about like their lives and who they are, it's very exuberant and over the top, kind of like, sounds like a very flashy use of language and it's almost very distraction thriving, just very, um, very over exaggerated and it's never enough. And in German culture, things sound very pragmatic and very straightforward and really well thought through, almost on the boring side. If you don't find your goal exciting, trying to come to a compromise, I think, for example, if you know what your identity is and what your goal is at a young age, then you can thrive in both cultures. People who lack an identity and a purpose or a life mission, because then you could take your life in America any which way, and in Germany as well, you could take a complete detour and not go on this straight and narrow path that is traditionally thought out for children. And would you say it's more of an individual approach in the U.S. compared to Germany? Yes, I feel it is because I made a bunch of general statements right now. Like, not everyone is an over-exaggerated caricature that is only about consumerism and... Um, appreciating the materialistic aspects and not everyone is a doctor or a lawyer that's like very focused or very career oriented and there are a lot of people who do have a clear definition of family life and they really have made that their main goal in their adult life to yeah, simply earn money earn a living and you have a family And as well, if you think about school and learning languages, even at school, I remember they offered languages that weren't necessarily the popular ones that sounded super smooth and... So you mean like the traditional languages or the classical mm -hmm. languages? Mm -hmm. I saw a shift to, for example, Russian, Chinese or even Korean and for the simple reason that it was economically reasonable or useful for the future. But I think that also reflects how Germans think in their own native language. The point of communicating is to deliver a message. And, you know, I learn German, German very differently and I see the creative aspects of it and how you can be very expressive and really lit your whole you know soul out into the language if that's what you choose but I think a lot of people don't feel that way about German as native speakers and therefore you know they treat other foreign languages how they treat their own language I thinking of who can I communicate with and what is my goal Germans use their language in a descriptive way also. They like to describe things as precisely as possible. So they're very detail-oriented. Detail-oriented, but also 
very literal in creating words and using them. It doesn't leave much ground for interpretation usually. Although the German language can be used in a beautiful way, I mean, it's a land of poets and philosophers, but it, it is still very analytical. And we could give a few examples. Germans don't invent new words. They keep on using the same words in different combinations. One quality I can describe is German is a very primitive language. And if we look at a word like Handschuh, which means glove. It literally means hand shoe. Think of fridge. Kühlschrank. Cool closet. Cool closet, yeah. Nudelholz, which is a rolling pin. Because mm -hmm. it literally means noodle wood. What does a snail carry on its back? Schneckenhaus. Yeah, a snail house. We're using pre-existing words and new combinations to create new words but at the same time I think it is, it is very poetic it's very creative it can be yeah it's a big part of German humor as well using certain words and um, laughing about them about their literal meaning as well so now that we explored this topic a little I think a lot of listeners will say well it's the same round here It's basically the same where I live. And that's probably true. I think those tendencies can be found in lots and lots of countries. At the same time, I think it's an essential point that is highlighted in German society. Let's again ask, is that stereotype true? Are Germans efficiency seeking? I can only speak for myself and I would say the stereotype holds very true. And it goes even goes to lengths that are not obvious to everybody. It is deeply seated, as we said in the beginning. And for me, I can say I notice it on a daily level. Yes, I believe that is true. Tying back into one of the points you made earlier, where you create your own motivation, you create your own purpose. And with an efficient oriented state of mind, you have freedom. So you have the freedom to go on your own path, seek your own path, but then tying it back into the community as a whole, you don't have to go it alone. While we have covered many generalized statements and ideas throughout this podcast, it really is enriching to hear personal stories because that brings the enriching color to this narrative. And so if you have any other anecdotes or stories that clearly illustrates for you what structure or efficiency may look like in your culture, we would love to hear about it. So we want to ask you, have you made similar experiences with Germans and your own culture? And can you identify similar factors in the culture you grew up How would you define efficiency? Or can we make an argument that efficiency, just like motivation, can be individually defined? Mm -hmm. And do we see a trend worldwide? We are interested in your experiences and opinions. Please share your experiences with us. We are looking forward to your comments and hope that they generate a very interesting discussion. Anything that we have to add 
about follow-up questions are going to be on our Instagram, so be sure to check us out there. And until next time, we'll be hitting the bridge.